The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are, you may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Welcome, I'm Suzanne Phillips. Thanks for joining me on Psych Up Live. Today we have the opportunity for an inside view of the Broadway hit musical, Come From Away. And I am delighted to have as our guests, the producer Sue Frost and actor Joel Hatch. Come From Away, written by Irene Sankoff and David Hine, is based on a true story that few people know. On 9-11, the U.S. shut down its airspace in response to the terrorist attacks in New York, Washington, D.C., and Pennsylvania. At that moment, thousands of passengers were on international flights that could not land in the U.S. Where they landed and how they were received is the basis of this incredible musical, the story of a small town that welcomed the world. Producer Sue Frost is the founding member of Junkyard Dog Productions, which is dedicated to developing and producing new musicals. This musical, Come From Away, has already won the 2010 Tony Award, the Drama Desk Award, the Outer Critics Circle Award, and many more. She's also won awards for her other musicals, including Best Musical, Memphis, other musicals, First Date, Vanities, Make Me a Song. She served as executive producer of Dr. Zhivago on Broadway for 2000, in 2015. And among many other things, she's a member of the Broadway League's Board of Governors. Joel Hatch, and you will know Joel when you see him, has played many, many roles in 30 years on many venues. In this play, he plays Claude and others. He's been on Broadway in Billy Elliot, Annie, Off-Broadway, Adding Machine. He's done national tours with Showboat, Ragtime, Beauty and the Beast. And you have seen him on The Good Wife, Broadway Empire, Elementary, and Prison Break. Sue Frost and Joel Hatch, it is my pleasure to welcome you to Psych Up Live. Thank you, Suzanne. It's great to be here. We're happy to be here with you. Terrific. Thank you so much. So let's start with the question, what made you produce this play, this musical? Well, my partners and I saw a 45-minute reading of the show, a segment of the show, at a new musical festival about four years ago. And we didn't really know what it was or where it belonged. We just knew we loved the spirit of it. We loved the story. We loved the, the message. And we knew we wanted to be part of it. And that began our journey to Broadway. Um, we, we did some, some work trying to figure out exactly where it belonged. And, and one of the things we figured out very early on, as soon as we put it in front of audiences, is that there was a, an enormous groundswell of support and response to the show. And, uh, and uh, that sent us on our way to Broadway. Now, did this show, Sue, feel different from other, you've done so many musicals, from other shows you've done in any way? 
there's a very authentic feel to the storytelling. It is an unusual way to tell a story, I think a musical story. The, the sound of the music was very unique. There's a heavily influenced by Newfoundland music, which you don't hear a lot on Broadway. Um, David and Irene, the authors, um, gathered uh, hundreds of interviews with people and then put their words into, into play form. It's a very unique, uh, it's a very unique uh, uh, approach to a Broadway musical. Uh, it moves with the speed of lightning, and it, it immediately captures uh, your heart. It's a, it, I've, never, I've never worked on a show like it, either the form of it, uh, the way audiences respond to it, and the way it's sort of grown uh, in terms of uh, its expanding family as it, as it continues on. It really does move at lightning speed. Having seen it, it it just grabs you, and you are riveted. <laughs> you are riveted from minutes. Now, Joe, you've been acting for thirty years. Was this a unique experience to you, playing many roles in this show? Uh, yes. Well, uh, first of all, I've been a character actor for most of those thirty years, which means that many times I've been in shows in which I played multiple roles within a show, uh, but never a show in which every person in the cast plays multiple roles. Uh, so this, this is unique in that it's a community of uh, actors who are all uh, carrying the load at some point or another in the show. Uh, and uh, so it's, it's, it's unique that way. It's a very much a team effort all the way across the board. Now, I wonder, because you do, I want our listeners to know that 12 people represent in some way thousands. Because we have, how many, uh, we have 6,700 of the plane people coming off the planes. And then we have about 6,000 or so people in Gander. And the remarkable part is 12 people somehow move between being the plain people and the people from Gander in an almost seamless way. Now, that's what was so interesting to me, and I wondered, was the cast chosen, Sue, in a certain way that you would have that kind of flexibility? Was it something that you had seen before, Joel, in terms of, as you say, um, people being able to move between parts? Well, when we were auditioning for the show, you know, there, each actor plays at least one and possibly two sort of main characters, and then they play a lot of other people. So when we auditioned, we were looking for people who sort of had the essence of those main characters, but then uh, our director, Chris Ashley, kind of put people into a little bit of an improv situation where he said, try that with a different accent, try this, try that. We were looking for people who were flexible and could... Um, and kind of move on a dime. So it was something that we were mindful of as we were casting, but we didn't really know to the, the extent to which they were going to have to morph from one character to another until we were in the rehearsal studio. And Joel, I think, can probably speak more specifically to that. I think the first day of rehearsal, when we all got together, we realized fairly quickly, first of all, it's a, it's a room full of very funny people. Uh, there isn't a person in that room who couldn't tell a really great joke or, or play a really funny character. Um, that's, that's always a positive, I think, because that's the hard heavy lifting. And, um, and yet everybody in that room is a legit actor. They uh, all had lots of experience playing multiple types of roles. So just the breadth of experience walking into the room the first day of rehearsal was exciting to see. And then as we started to develop the characters, uh, the characters weren't all decided at the outset. Uh, we started out some people playing one thing and then getting switched to another thing, uh, another character. Uh, things got moved around just because of uh, the logistics of <laughs> where somebody would be at one moment and have to turn into somebody else at another moment. Um, uh, things we had to scramble things from time to time to make make the the piece as a whole work fluidly, and uh, so it was fun to watch people uh, trade off characters and try new ones and 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 do different things with characters. 
um, I, I'll tell you as a psychologist and even from another perspective, you know the expression, um, the media is the message, the medium is the message. Well, the way mm-hmm. people shifted from the plain people to the gander people fits into, uh, we had another guest discuss narrative four. And what that means is, I hear your story, you hear my story, then you tell my story and I tell your story. And I kept thinking as I watched, literally, the way they've set the cast up and the way it's coming across, they're really also representing the extraordinary empathy that was shown between these two sets of people, the plain people and the people from Gander. And it just struck me, I thought, did they purposely do this? Because it's really telling a lot of the story, even in that movement between parts and roles. It's interesting, the stories that uh, David and Irene have told us that they weren't able to put into the piece, because they had literally thousands of stories um, to choose from. And, for instance, a little story uh, of uh, one of the people they interviewed from, there was a plain person, uh, talked about one day he was just feeling down, and a gentleman walked up to him, said, how are you doing? He, he said, well, I haven't had a really great cup of coffee in I don't know how many days, and I, and I basically, I miss my dog. And about an hour later, this uh, man from Gander walked up to him, and he said, I, uh, I brewed this coffee at home. I think you might like it. And uh, here's my dog. Um, the, <laughs> the people of that little town of Gander were meeting uh, people's needs right where they were at that moment and, uh, and, uh, and talking about empathy totally connecting with what's what they needed and, and, and meeting those needs. And the other interesting thing with respect to that is you mentioned humor. And it's, it's interesting you say everyone could tell a story because there is humor. It is funny in many parts. And there are parts that catch you by surprise because they're often making reference to someone anticipates that there's going to be racial bias Someone anticipates there's going to be bias against gays. I mean, some very painful worries that surface, and you would imagine they would, are somehow expressed to the audience in a way that relieves us and sort of brings us in. It's the humor as well as the music and the movement is really, really dramatically wonderful in the show. Well, if you know anybody from Newfoundland, they're, they're all very, they're, everybody we've met, they're great storytellers, they're very funny people, and they'll do, they'll do that to you. They'll tell you a story, and they'll almost bring you to tears, and then they'll turn it around on a dime and make you laugh. And um, there's just something so essentially human about the way people, people are ready to cry, and then, they, and then something happens, and they, and they have to laugh. And it's, and it's all, um, there's, there isn't an, an ounce of snark in these people. Do you know, it is all completely grounded and co- completely authentic. And, you know, the reality of this is they don't think they did anything special. You know, they were just doing what they do every day, which is taking care of people. And if, if they needed a shoulder to cry on, the shoulder was there. If they needed a laugh, they came up with a joke. And uh, I think David and Irene kind of absorbed that in the writing. And I know that it was something that we were all very mindful of as we were putting the show together, is we never wanted anybody to go too far down before we brought them back up. But at the same time, we also needed to make sure that it wasn't levity. It was just just warm humor, and we were never not taking uh, the situation seriously. It's a very interesting, unique kind of combination of things that they put together. Well, it's interesting to me, even when you say that, that they did, for instance, having worked with so many firefighters and their young wives and corporate wives who lost um, husbands and children lost dads that piece with the firefighters parents was so representative of what those of us here um, heard which is people to say I- I'm sure he can get out and I know he's the type of person who would have gone in to help so there were ways that you captured so many of the things the way people looked bewildered when they saw 
the actual news clips of what had gone on here was the same bewilderment that we heard and everyone has seen now in many different ways. But it never really brings you down. It just brings you to an emotional place that keeps being relieved by the show and the people that are depicted in it and the music. Well, I think, I think really good storytelling um, does that. It keeps your attention and it keeps you uh, searching forward with it. And moving forward with it. And if, if, if it became too one-sided, if it was just a, a lap riot all the way through, uh, that you didn't really connect with anybody, that would be a problem. And if it was uh, just looking at the darker aspects of those days and only at those, that would, uh, that would sort of leave you um, behind as well at some point. So I think it's, I think it's vital for good storytelling to keep keep you uh, surprised and keep you uh, looking forward to what's happening next. Now, in terms of the music and how it fit in, were, were both of you surprised at actually how it gelled as, as an entity, or is that something that you're used to seeing? It's a very, as I said, it's a very unique form, but what was so interesting, and and David and Irene tell the story, that when they went back to Gander on the 10th anniversary, they were at a commemoration ceremony in in the hockey rink, in the ice rink, with thousands and thousands of people, and, you know, people from, um, from away, uh, military people, politicians, uh, Newfoundlanders, everyone, and, um, a band started to play, a Newfoundland band started to play, and they watched how the entire ice rink, hockey rink, started to dance and started to uh, respond to the music. And they, they, they wanted to make sure that that feeling was represented in the play. That's when they knew for sure it was a musical. It had to be a musical. You couldn't tell a story about Newfoundland without music. It's so much a part of their DNA. And, and I think that that's how they approached it. And then Ian Eisendraff, our music supervisor and arranger, and August Eric Smolin, our orchestrator, they completely, you know, just sort of buried themselves in Newfoundland music and learned the nuance of it. And, and then they created this score that it's so funny because, you know, often people say to the actors, and Joel, you can speak to this, it's like, you, there's so much singing. How can you sing that much? The reality is there's a ton of music and underscoring, but there's not that much singing, you know? Um, right. But it's just that the music is, is part of the fabric of the storytelling. Yeah, it's almost as if, well, the, the fact that the band is on stage with us, um, but the music is almost a part of the setting of the story. Um, the first day of rehearsal that we had the Bowron playing uh, in the background, the Irish drum, uh, I immediately felt as if I was transferred from a rehearsal space in La Jolla, California, to uh, Newfoundland. And that was, that was exciting for me as an actor. I felt I would move from Southern California to this turf, you know, up in the northeast regions of, of our um, continent. And that was, that was an exciting experience for me, and I'm sure for the audience member, member seeing the show for the first time, it transports them immediately to a different place than the Broadway theater that they're in. Yeah, we're going to take a break. I, I will vouch for, for definitely feeling transported. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're here speaking with the producer, Sue Frost, and actor Joel Hatch of the hit musical Come From Away. We'll be talking more about it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts, we'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. 
Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Fullick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Can you truly be a change agent in your community? We think you can. Tune in every week for Envision with co-hosts Thomas Rosenberg and Ronnie Langer Kroger. The show is all about building an inclusive and just future by connecting people with ideas. Connect with what's happening in your community, your country, and around the world as we speak with amazing guests who are fostering change and making their communities better. Envision is heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with the producer Sue Frost and actor Joel Hatch from the Broadway hit musical Come From Away. Um, So I'm going to ask both of you, when the show actually was there in living color and you've gotten nothing but, you know, standing ovations and... The audience is like ready to jump on the stage at the end when you see the show. I think, Joe, you mentioned, you know, one person who had seen it a hundred times. I mean, yeah. Yeah. My, urge was, that, yeah. my urge was to want to see it the next day again also. Now, <laughs> in terms of the music, the, the parts, the people being represented, did anything surprising unfold that really you never expected Sue, let me ask you first. Well, it's interesting. You know, part of it was the first time we actually saw it on stage. It was, it was, the audience response was so overwhelming. It really kind of took us aback. Um, and, and the fact is, when we first did the show in La Jolla, we had asked the band to do a little play-out music, and um, basically no one left. They just stayed, and they just kept rocking with the music. And so we just sort of looked at each other, and we all went, huh, I guess we ought to build on that. You know, and I think that that was probably for us as producers to see that kind of real, immediate, visceral audience response was, was, I mean, we knew we felt it, but we didn't expect it quite like that. And then what happened is that same response happened every city we went and the kind of immediate word of mouth was something I've actually never experienced on a show before. I've been on shows where there's been great word of mouth, but not that immediate. And what happened was it wasn't just people went home and called a friend and said, you need to see this. They went home and called a friend and said, I'm going back with you. I want to experience this with you. And that was something that I'd never actually seen before. Yeah, I could appreciate it. It's wonderful. How about you, Joel? Anything really surprised you in terms of how the show actually unfolded? Well, I my my favorite thing about the show is the response of the real people that we play. Um, as an actor, you rarely, if ever, play someone who's still alive or is actually a uh, nonfiction character. 
So um, uh, to, to perform a show in front of the person you are depicting is at first nerve-wracking, but the thing that was surprising and exciting to me was the response across the board. Um, David and Irene were so thorough in um, being truthful to what these people said in interviews and depicting those people as honestly as they possibly could, that um, the response has been amazing as far as how those actual people have connected with the show. Uh, speaking of seeing the show a lot of times, Beverly Bass has seen it. Uh, she plays the captain, Beverly Bass, who uh, flew one of the planes who landed in, in Gander. Uh, she's seen it over 70 sometimes. Uh, Nick and Diane, uh, the couple who uh, meet, uh, who are strangers on a plane and met there in Gander. They've seen it uh, many, many times. Um, the first time that uh, my major character, Claude Elliott, the mayor of Gander, saw it was in Seattle. And um, the uh, Canadian consulate was sitting next to him uh, when he saw the show. And, and the gentleman said to me afterwards, he watched the show as if he was there as a representative of his town. And so he was, you know, very taking everything in in sort of a matter-of-fact way and really studying everything. But at the end of the show, this elderly woman walked up to him at uh, the theater in Seattle and said, I was born in Gander, and I've never been so proud of my town in my whole life. And at that point, uh, Claude Elliott uh, said to the consulate, excuse me a moment, and he went, sort of over to a quiet place and, and had a little cry. So it was, um, yeah, I think how honestly uh, these characters felt they were depicted is, was really exciting and surprising to, to watch. It's, it's remarkable even um, when you hear about it as you're sharing it. Now, Joel, I think one of the things you mentioned, and I was so delighted that I was able to meet you after the show, was... How was the, it, what was it like for the cast, you, and I assume you were also there, Sue, when you actually went to perform this show in front of the people at Gander? What was it like for you, your experience, Joe? <laughs> well, I think if you ask any one of us, it would be exactly the same thing. We all, you know, were uh, very nervous because the, it, we, need, we, we really needed these people to feel good about what we were saying. Um, uh, when you're telling somebody's story, you want them to feel okay about how you're telling the story. And so we were all a little nervous about doing this, this piece, and we did it in a concert version. We just had microphones across the front, and we were up on stage with the band and, and basically told all the stories and sang all the songs for this audience at the hockey arena in Gander. And um, we all swore we weren't going to cry. We're all going to be strong. And we walked on stage and we started singing the first song. And the lyric, I'm an Islander, I am an Islander. We started singing that. And uh, between two and 3,000 people all started roaring. <laughs> and then we were a mess for the rest of the show. So uh, it, was, it was one of the most amazing theatrical experiences I'll ever have in my life, bar none. And uh, I think any member of our cast or any of the production crew would tell you the same. Because everyone really was coming from the same heart and soul at that point. It's fa it sounds yeah. like a fabulous experience. Um, what, what's interesting to me is, that, and I, you said, Sue, that the music has somewhat of the makings of uh, Newfoundland music. And how about the lyrics? I mean, one of the songs I wrote, just the first line, welcome to the rock. If you come from away, you'll probably understand about half of what we say. They say no man's an island, but an island makes a man, especially when one comes from one like Newfoundland, welcome to the rock. And this song just is, is just wild. But it, did they also set up the lyrics to sort of um, represent these people? Oh, absolutely. I think a lot of the lyrics actually were pulled from interviews as well. Um, the, the most specific example of that was the Beverly Bass song, as uh, 
Joel mentioned Captain Bass was the first female captain for American Airlines. And um, she came back to Gander for the 10th anniversary, and she very graciously agreed to meet with David and Irene, and four hours later they were still talking. And um, Me in the Sky, which is the song that uh, Jen Colella sings as Beverly Bass, is almost verbatim from that interview. Uh, And Me in the Sky is basically Beverly's story of how she, uh, her passion for flying and uh, the kind of glass ceiling that she broke. So a lot of the lyrics, again, it's, it's not traditional lyric writing in, in many ways, but it is very much a representation of, of, uh, of those interviews. It's, it's so interesting to me that, and as you both are sharing, maybe the power that you feel when you're in the audience is how unusual that this is a story about people who get to hear and are thrilled about how they're represented, and I also think what they did. Um, I I had the feeling, being in the audience, that the parallel is you feel like the 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 plain people. You are the people who come from away, and this cast welcomes you in. So when you mentioned at the end, the audience doesn't want to leave, you're right. When they start playing, that's when the flags are flying and everybody's in it. But you feel very much like you just were part of the show. Um, so, you know, it, it really has an impact in a way that maybe speaks to the message as well as what you're saying, Joe, when do you ever get to personally meet the people that you're playing and have them love what you're doing? I will yeah. tell you, I, I hate how therapists are represented in films and plays. Um, my family tells me I destroy most movies and films that have, or series that have psychologists in it because I don't like how we're represented or how, <laughs> how, how it unfolds. And, but actually, you nailed it, and you're saying because they stayed so true to those interviews, Sue. I think that's right, and I think the spirit of, of the people uh, is, is really beautifully um, conveyed. You know, it's also, um, this company has been together for almost three years now, by and large, and that family has continued to grow and expand, but... Um, We've all been through a lot together, you know, and the experience of being in Gander together, um, it, it wasn't just the people on stage, it was the people off stage and the band and the, uh, a lot of our support staff and our, our, our marketing team, everybody went and everybody had this amazing experience and also had the opportunity to meet all these folks, to see all the locations that we reference, to really get a feel for it. And um, it it really, as Joel said, it was life-changing. I mean, we've made friends um, that, you know, friends forever. And these are, these are folks that um, uh, are not used to being the sort of uh, uh, subject of attention. Um, but they, you know, they absorb it as gracefully as they absorb everything else. It's really kind of, ex- it's just an extraordinary feeling. I've never had that kind of feeling uh, on a show before. Now, do I have it right that Joel and and the cast that you're speaking about, um, Sue, this is the original cast that was in Seattle and Washington D.C. and or has that changed at, on your way to New York and Broadway? It's pretty much the same company. Um, we had a little bit of swap out between La Jolla and the and the and the journey of the show was we started in La Jolla. We then went to Seattle, then we were in Washington D.C a concert in Gander, and then Toronto, and then came into Broadway. So that took about two, two and a half years to put that whole thing together. And essentially the core group of people who opened the show on Broadway had done at least three of those four engagements. Every once in a while somebody swapped out with a conflict or something because of the time frame. But, but by the time we got to Toronto and Gander in Toronto, that was the company that um, opened on Broadway. And the company that's currently on Broadway is essentially the same. We've had two folks leave um, for personal reasons. Um, but everybody else is, has been with the show that long. And the, the standbys who came on in, for Gander in Toronto and then a lot of the band came through the entire process as well. So it's, it's quite unique. Now, one of the things you represent is that there is some profiling 
um, that the one man who looks Middle Eastern is profiled in a different way or he people are worried about him more and more suspect of him and that's certainly handled um, and I wonder if has there been any pushback on that at all? Um, no. Actually, you know, there was interesting story. Caesar, who plays Ali, um, tells, uh, he, he was in the lobby at Ford's Theater in Washington, D.C., and a, uh, a young Muslim girl came up to him in tears after the show, and she said, you know, I had no idea how my parents' life changed on that day. And I just, I know that this is the world I live in now. I had no idea there was ever any, any other way that, that, that we were perceived or that we were treated. Um, uh, we've had no pushback from it, not at all. In fact, more sort of thank you for telling the story. Uh, thank mm-hmm. you for, for, for making it clear just, just how drastically our lives changed on that day. I mean, I think in some ways you should, it represents how valid uh, the responses that you depict in the show really are um, in terms of the pain as well as the possibilities when somebody welcomes you without knowing where you are from at a time of tremendous crisis and unknown fear. I mean, you know, I, I said, I think to you, Joel, to me, that was one of the big messages here. The this is an example of people who aren't used to strangers just showing up. And as you say, that was it. They stopped their strike. They made sandwiches. They opened their homes. And it's pretty courageous when we think that they had no idea what they were facing, but they somehow assumed kindness would work, and it did. It's, it's a pretty remarkable message. I have a funny story about that, actually. Derm Flynn, who Joe also plays, the mayor of Appleton, tells this story about um, they had a, a group of people come from the plains, to, and they put them in the community center in Appleton, and they filled up the community center, put them on cots on the floor, and he said people would come down from their houses and say, why are these people sleeping on the floor? I've got a spare bedroom. Let me take them home with me. And so... Then Derm tells the story that he got a call from the RCMP saying, you just got to make sure everybody stays together because we don't know who came off those planes. We don't know what's going on. These are security things. This is a security risk. And Derm said, well, you're a little late because they've all been taken home to other people's houses. (laughs) (laughs) Just just typical. Why are you sleeping on the floor when I have a spare room? That's ridiculous. Come home with me. It just didn't make sense to them. I also like um, part of the example where they show how the people of Gander sort of invite the plain people into their rituals. It's like a tribe that welcomes another tribe in. This is what we eat. These are, these are the things you drink. Um, that's such a, a kind of precious sharing that's done so well in terms of music or as well as the movement about it that it wasn't just you're going to stay as a stranger, you're going to become part of us. Right. The, the ritual of the screeching is an actual ritual that is done on a regular basis in Newfoundland. Um, we, as visitors to Newfoundland, all experience the screeching ourselves um, by uh, uh, kissing the cod and, uh, and having a bite of... Uh, of cod tongue and and, uh, uh, (laughs) having some uh, really bad rum. And, uh, you know, we we all experienced it, and we all had to um, uh, say a old um, Newfoundland saying. Um, I think long may your big jib draw. Yep. (laughs) Yes, yes. So, uh, yes, and, and it's a way of, and then we all got uh, official documents saying that we were honorary members of uh, Newfoundland. And um, it's, it's a crazy little funny, um, uh, you know, ritual that they go through, but it really did make you feel a member of the community, and it really did make you feel like they were welcoming you. And uh, it was a lovely, <laughs> it was a lovely night. Okay, we're going to come back to that. We're going to take a brief break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live, and we are delighted to have the producer Sue Frost and actor Joel Hatch from the 
very, very much well-attended hit musical, Come From Away. You have to see this show. Stay with us, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you ever given any thought to what is behind your insurance coverage? Many of us don't think of it as more than that premium you pay on a regular basis. Of course, until you actually need to use it. On CYA with Rhonda, you'll learn to cover your assets and find out what all of that insurance mumbo-jumbo really means. If you're looking for a lucrative career option... Rhonda Lukey will explain how to get into the insurance business. Listen live every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio. Live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're here with Sue Frost, the producer and actor Joel Hatch from the hit musical Come From Away. And um, we started talking in the break about, I was sharing that as a New Yorker, I, I have a, a memory and the stories I heard were, were pretty dramatic of people stepping outside of their comfort area to literally help people run and from there on to help neighbors who had lost loved ones and on and on. And so I thought there's a real connection that when the unthinkable happens, people want to do something. And the people from Gander, they had the benefit that we know the giver gives. And of course, the plane people after sitting for, I don't know how, we're just 24 hours in the plane not knowing what's going on they were embraced. And so I can appreciate, and I think New Yorkers would would welcome seeing this because many of them did a similar outreach. Have you found that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we first did the show in La Jolla, and again, we were, you know, we were, we were nervous about bringing the show to New York, um, and we were you know, very interested to hear what New Yorkers had to say. And a, a New Yorker who came to see the show fairly early on in La Jolla came out of the theater, and he had tears in his eyes, and he said, you know, this just reminds me of how nice we all were to each other after that horrible day. 
and and before before it slipped away, before revenge took over, you know, and and that feeling, uh, I think uh, a lot of people had. I think that um, every everybody of a certain age who sits in the audience and watches that show is running their own story through their head, and what they did and what they felt, and not just people in New York, people all over the world. It was a it was a life changing moment in time and you run that story through your head and you think about and I think it helps people think about the good things and not just the bad things that people were out there helping each other and being nice to each other and you see it with um, I, I think about that the, the, when they found the bomb on the on the subway it's, they don't call it the subway on the tube in London and people were what they were doing was posting if you need a cup of tea come to my house if you need to charge your phone come to my house they were reaching out however they could to help people and I think that's it's basic human nature and I think that's why people respond so strongly to our show because we reinforce that I think so I, I think back to the uh, the days following um, 9-11 when we saw all of our legislators standing arm in arm on uh, Republicans and Democrats singing on the Capitol steps. And that seems like a foreign time to me now. And, and when I, the thing that keeps being repeated to me by people who see the show is it's so important that this message be heard right now in these days because we live in a time in which people aren't looking out for each other, when they aren't being helpful to each other, where they aren't reaching out uh, across cultures and, and, and across um, different uh, groups and, and, and with a helping hand. And I think it's, uh, I feel like we are in a real vital vital piece of theater that's putting uh, a mirror up to a better time. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, I think in some ways it's a unique experience for your audience and perhaps also for your company and the cast because you put up what it is we we all know we have done in little bits and what we want to be able to keep doing. So we want to be and capture the the, the generosity of gander that's what mm-hmm. we you know we've experienced in some way it's you know we've seen enough horror that we wouldn't want to identify with but if you can grab this as a piece of what you have the capacity to own as you say Joel it's an unbelievable message to keep passing on yeah yeah it's- I there there was a, a story uh, somebody told me about um, the moment of silence that was uh, uh, observed across our country um, after 9-11. And she was driving in on the Kennedy, in, in uh, it's a big eight-lane thoroughfare that goes through Chicago. And she said, do you realize that all the cars stopped and everybody got out of their cars and stood in silence? She said that just—it was like some aliens had come down. Uh, it was—it was an unbelievable experience, and I think uh, our country focusing in a positive way um, would uh, <laughs> could do immense good for all of us. I also want to add, and you both know this in a way I could never know it. I don't think this story would be as emotionally gripping if it was not a musical. I think we know about trauma research. The brain is stimulated by music in a different way. And that is one of the components, to me, of the power of the story as it's told. Do you think this could have been told without the music? Well, I think it's so much a part and parcel of the storytelling, and I think you're right. You know, it's so interesting because I've been producing musicals my whole life, and people bring me ideas all the time, and they say, well, wouldn't it be a great idea to turn this into a musical? What a great idea. And I go, well, what about this story sings? Because what a, where is the emotion has to be bigger than words. And, you, and you, when you just can't say it, and the emotion is that much bigger, you have to sing it. And I think that that's, that's 
exactly what you're talking about, Suzanne, is that there's, this, there's, this is bigger than just talking. This is bigger than just people representing who they are on stage, that, that the music has somehow kind of takes over and, and takes it to another uh, plane. I think that's absolutely right. Do you have that feeling too, Joe? Yes, and it's not just the music. I mean, the movement as well. Kelly Devine has done some brilliant, brilliant work in um, giving representation to uh, so many of the emotions going through the passengers and the uh, community of Bander um, through their lives and their bodies. And uh, so... What is unique about musical theater is that it combines so many different mediums that get at the heart of people uh, in powerful ways. And, and so I think you're right, musical theater is the best vehicle for this story. Really, really beautiful. Um, I would like you to take a moment to not only thank you, but let our audiences know where the show can be seen and where do you expect it might be seen in the future since we have listeners from all over? Sure. Um, <clears throat> as I said, we have already been uh, to, to several cities before we came to New York. We are in rehearsal right now with a separate company of actors, Canadian performers. Uh, we're going to be in Winnipeg um, in January, and then we go to Toronto and sit down in Toronto for several months. And then we are going to have a North American tour that will mount next fall, in fall of 2018. We're going to reopen back in Seattle, and that tour is right now booked to play 92 weeks across North America, mostly United States, but we'll be in Vancouver and Edmonton and Calgary and Ottawa with that company. And uh, there's a lot of excitement for the show in other places as well. We're exploring a lot of different things. I mean, one of the things that we're learning and we have learned from from our journey is this is not this is not just a new york story it is not just a canadian story it's a very human very global story and people people respond to it and we want to be able to get it out to as many people as possible thank you so much i want to thank both of you for for not only joining me but for come from away the production of it Joel, I know you've been with it throughout, and it's our listeners today got really did get an inside glimpse into an unbelievable musical with a meaningful message. This was really a message of kindness and courage, and as you both said, it's the best kind of message we could be sending this year at this time. So thank you both for coming on Psych Up Live. Thank you, Suzanne, for having us. It's our pleasure. Thank you. I want to thank my listeners. Remember, you can hear this show and any prior show as a podcast on my host site, on our website, on the podcast app of your iPhone, iTunes, Sketcher, Voice America's podcast. Remember to drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Mostly, until next week, please take care. Reach out with kindness and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week. 